0: Welcome to the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two Extraordinary Moms are the same, and they're all parenting in their own way, and we should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Everyone, happy Mother's Day. I hope everyone had a wonderful Mother's Day. I know it can be a hard hard day for many people for a variety of reasons, and I hope that at the very least we were able to take that day to take stock of the positive relationships in our lives and be grateful for the things that we have and be sensitive to the needs of those around us. And if we know Someone around us is struggling with this day. I hope that you reached out. And if you didn't and you're still feeling that tugging at your heart, do it today. Send them a note, send them some flowers, drop a treat on their doorstep, let them know that they are seen and that they are loved. Simple as that. So happy Mother's Day. I am so excited to share today's episode with you. My guest is Camille Ward from the Family Looking Up podcast. Today we see a side of Camille that we don't usually get to see on her podcast, which is so fantastic. She's a mom of six, and today she's focusing especially on her relationship with her own mother and growing up as her caretaker and caregiver and the things she learned from her mom being in a wheelchair for most of her life. It's a powerful, powerful story and a true testament of what challenges can bring as fruit and beautiful blessings in our lives. So good. Enjoy. All right. I'm so excited to be chatting with my friend Camille Ward today. Hi,
1: Camille. Hi, Jessica. It's so good to be here with you.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure talking to you again. We had the fun job, I guess you could say, the J-O-B of um, I was on your podcast back in January, and it was just so fun to record with you ladies on the Family Looking Up podcast. So thanks for having me over there.
1: That was so fun. We loved it. It was such a great conversation, and we had so much feedback from your interview of people saying, this gives me hope, you know, this gives me some good tips. And so Aww. we really loved everything you had to say.
0: Oh, thank you so much. So Camila, I don't know if you know this about me, but I have a talent of being able to identify people's voices that are doppelgangers for other voices. So some people are good at oh. like, oh, you look just like so-and-so, but I'm good yeah. about voices and like your voice sounds like such-and-such. Okay. You have a voice doppelganger. Did you know this? Who is it? No, I want to know who it is. (laughs) Well, I don't know if you know this person, but then you'll be able to have hardcore evidence when you go back and listen. So my best friend is Allison Faulkner of The Allison Show. I don't know if you know her, but her mom, Marilyn, is also a dear friend of mine. And your voice is exactly like her. So you're going to need to go over to the 3 and 30 podcast. Do you listen to 3 and 30? Yes, I do. Fabulous podcast. Um, Rachel interviews her about confidence, teaching your kids to have confidence. Just okay. – I don't know if you'll hear it because it's you, but just trust yeah. me. Or have Beth or Andrea listen and be like, is this, <laughs> is this Camille's voice? Because literally you have the same voice as Marilyn Faulkner. It's so funny. Oh, my
1: gosh. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. I Well, I obviously have to listen. I don't know if I should feel bad for her. You know we always hate our own voice. We do. We so. totally do.
0: No, it's a good thing, and you have a similar sense of humor and laugh and – I think it's striking. Every time I hear you, I think, wow, it's the exact same. But anywho, that's just a, a random talent of mine. But I love your podcast so much. It is thought provoking and funny. And we were just chatting before we hopped on about your mom fail episode. It just just puts so much joy and light into the world in the realm of motherhood, which I am totally behind. But for people that may not know you personally, Camille, that's why we're here today to talk about you. Will you give a little background on yourself and your family?
1: You bet, yeah. So I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I was there until I served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I went to Seattle, and I worked with Spanish-speaking people up there. Um, And then I came home, and I married my husband, Alan. He and I were—we had an interesting job Um, in Salt Lake City. There's a place called Temple Square that the church owns, And I was a gardener there on Temple Square, and during the off-season, we do Christmas lights, and my husband, he hired on as a temp before I left for my mission. So we, we met up in the treetops, putting up beautiful Christmas lights, and then I left for a year and a half, came back, and we got married. And ever since then, it's just been a slew of 20 years of getting busier with every child, and... We're in six kids now, so that's about as busy as we can be, I think. We're I think
0: so. <laughs> I think that is a yeah. full load. So what's the age range of your children now?
1: 18. Uh, my oldest is an 18-year-old boy down to a 4-year-old little girl. She just turned 4. Oh, my so gosh. So it's it's great. We have mostly teenagers and babies. You know, we've got uh, 18, 17, 15 12 and then a big gap and a six and a four year old. Wow. So,
0: so what's your best tip for juggling kids who are in different seasons of their life, different expectations in terms of mom, drive me here. Let's do this. And then you're like, well, we have nap time or, you know, a few years ago I'm nursing and I'm, I'm homebound, you know? So how did you kind of navigate those waters?
1: Um, plan on never sleeping. That's, <laughs> that's the best thing to do. Understand, I always tell people, this is a really hard time because um, I'm putting kids to bed still. I've been doing it now for 18 years, putting kids to bed. I'm done. I want that phase to be done with, but I'm putting kids to bed, but then I don't get free time after that because the oldest kids are up until the moment my eyes close. So, um, you know, I the, the thing that I've loved about it, I mean, that that's joking but true, but the the good part is those oldest kids, I just think as long as you're careful not to abuse it, I think it's easy to abuse those kids and their helpfulness. Mm -hmm. And I try to be really conscious of that because I don't want them to leave my house and say, Oh my gosh, I'm not having kids for 20 years. I raised my two siblings. And so I don't want them to say that. And so we're conscious of it. But at the same time, some of my favorite moments are watching my very oldest kids laughing and playing with my youngest kids. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a blessing. You know, my oldest son is about to leave home. He got called to Milan, Italy to go on a mission, and he leaves in two months. And so he sees the time ticking down, and he understands that it's never going to be the same. And, um, And so he's been, I see, making a concerted effort to go out and jump with them on the trampoline and play these things. And I just think how terrific, you know, for him, preparing for his own job as parent you know to have these experiences and and so i think my biggest tip is carefully rely Hmm. on those kids it's good for them to have the responsibility we live in a society where we we don't want to burden our kids in any way but actually burden is a good thing we just have to be careful I love that. I think our expectations.
0: Yeah. And just to be mindful and careful of it. It's not that you can't have your, you know, teenager babysitting for you on a Friday night or things like that. But I love that, not overusing them and being like, nope, that's your role in this house is to be my my built-in babysitter. (laughs) Because that's not true. And is there there any better feeling than seeing your kids choose to live out their values? Right? Right? And so it's like, here he is, and you've worked so hard to to grow him up into somebody that can venture out into the world. And he's choosing to spend, you know, his discretionary minutes every day out on the tramp with the kid, the right. younger kids. Like,
1: Absolutely. does that just fill your heart? Oh, it's just the best. It is the best. You know, my daughter, she's the next in line and she's really mothered these kids. She's mm-hmm. been amazing. And kind of the principle we've chosen to use is everyone has a choice if they will babysit and we will pay them. Mm. And so, you know, I don't think that they get paid as much as I would pay a stranger. So I prefer them to babysit, <laughs> but they still get enough money. And so, yeah. you know, they, they have a choice. We say, who would like to babysit tonight? We're paying. And, um, we usually have two or three volunteers. And so that really helps. I think that's, and awesome. She's, She's just been amazing. She's helped to raise these kids and done it willingly, and it's been wonderful.
0: I know we're just getting started with Camille, but I wanted to jump in and thank one of our show sponsors, and that is Highlands. Summer's approaching, and I don't want your summer fun to get ruined because you've been diagnosed or your kids have been diagnosed with an earache by a physician. For natural relief due to earache pain, fever, irritability, and occasional sleeplessness due to that ear pain... Hello, moms. We've all been there with a kid with ear pain, right? Try Highlands homeopathic eardrops and tablets. Highlands has been trusted for generations to provide safe homeopathic medicines for all family members. There's no alcohol and no sting, so you can get back to doing what you love. Go to Highlands.com, and that's H-Y-L-A-N-D-S.com to find a retailer near you. That's Highlands.com backslash ear hyphen pain. Claims are based on traditional homeopathic practice, not accepted medical evidence, not FDA evaluated, read and follow label directions. You better believe I'm going to have Highlands eardrops in my pool bag so that I'm ready at the drop of a hat for that first, oh, my ear hurts, mom. No problem, kids. I have Highlands. (laughs) Let's get back to it. Well, part of what we wanted to chat about today, Camille, is your own upbringing. And your own yeah. mother, and I'm really excited to hear more about her. Will you tell me about your mom, Camille?
1: So my mom is a unique creature in all the world. Honestly, she she uh, was a very dramatic, um, loved flowery language. She was a drama major, and she just was. She could take any situation and make it into a funny story. And um, loved, just loved life. She was a big life lover. And then um, when she was, they had had their family. They had four kids and they had, their youngest was seven. She was 44 and got pregnant with me.
0: What? And
1: (laughs) she nearly had a nervous breakdown. I mean, like (laughs) any woman would, you know, I really would. I'm going to be 44 next year and I think, oh my heavens. Starting you know, over, that wow. That happened. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was that was really rough. And the honest truth is that her body just absolutely never recovered. She had um, rheumatoid, and she didn't know she had rheumatoid, but there was a decline from that pregnancy to um, when I was nine, she was having a lot of pain, but she was 100% functional. She was moving furniture and had a knee injury, and it was like her body just 100% shut down. She was in bed that night and was never the same again. She was in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. She just died uh, five years ago, and so it was 30 years of being in a wheelchair, and I was the only one left at home at that point. I was the only child since everyone was... So much older. And so it was an interesting dynamic because she really became homebound. Um, she had just so many complications in her health that, you know, she, through my, my elementary and my middle school years, she worked her way up to a walker and a cane. She was always in constant pain every day. But she worked really hard to gain that mobility, and then the rheumatoid spread into her arms and her back, and she was told that if she didn't go into the wheelchair, that that would be it. Hmm. Um, and so she was she had to give that up, and at that point she really did become homebound. That was me as a teenager, and so it was an interesting upbringing. She you know she had pain every day all day, and there's just a lot of painful noises that happen from somebody that is in excruciating pain. And as a child in a home alone with a mom, my dad worked three jobs. So it was really just her and I most of my life. And so it was, it was a really amazing thing because as I look back at my life, I remember mostly the laughter. She had a great ability to turn every situation into something you could laugh at. And you know, one story that I told on three and 30 podcast when she interviewed us, I think is probably the best description of my mom was a story that happened to her um, when she went to see a doctor. It was her obstetrician after she had had one of the babies and he was a very, very stern man. And this was years ago when they could be really rude about your weight (laughs) instead of now where they can't so much. And so he told her, um, you know, you have to lose weight. We're going to put you on this strict diet and I want you to come back on this day and we're going to see how much you weigh because we've got to get you to lose weight. And so she gets put on this strict diet and her sister gets married during this interim period. And she goes to the wedding and she eats some wedding cake and, you know, she's there for the wedding. Well, then she has to go weigh in with this Dr. Lloyd, you know. And she gets on the scale and the the little arrow goes up and he just looks at her with this stern look. And he says, what do you have to say for yourself? And I think every woman would react either in tears or a really solid punch, you know. You would be enraged or you would be mortified. But this woman, this mom of mine, she looked at him and she said, well, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. <laughs> <laughs> and he just lost it. He started laughing so hard. And I think that is my mom. She, could,
0: she uh, could just
1: use humor to get through life.
0: Oh, my gosh. The interesting thing is I've gotten older is that I've really realized what I think is normal is not necessarily normal. It's all just based. It's all subjective. It is like completely. how we view the world, how we do things, in from the smallest things to the biggest things, are really a product of how we were raised and and what we were modeled, what we were explicitly taught, all of those things. And so, growing up, I know now you look back with a lot of um, appreciation and everything like that. What did you think about your normal in the middle of it? Did you see your friends living differently? Did you wish for anything different? What did it feel like in those years?
1: Well, you know, I I remember that it was hard because my mom, um, she grayed very early and she was in a wheelchair. And so she really was 80 years old my whole life. That's mm. really how it felt. And so my friends many times would say, "What is that your grandma? She dressed like an old person because she had to wear... Um, dresses that she could get in and out of with all of her mobility problems. and So I remember that it was hard um, in that respect. I, I was always a bit embarrassed around my school friends um, as a young person just because she was just so different than their moms. We didn't go camping. We didn't do anything like that because it was not possible for her. I just was so protective of her. I There were many, many days that It happened several times. I would go to school and I would come home at the end of the day and she had gotten herself wedged in a doorway with her wheelchair and was unable to get out because she didn't have a phone and nobody came home all day. And she was in excruciating pain and I'd come home and find her like that. And so I also had this real sense of um, it was my job to protect her. I always felt like it was my job to be her caregiver. And that was something that followed me through my life. I always felt like it was my mission, part of my mission on this earth to take care of my parents. That's partly why I had been born at the time that I was born. Mm -hmm. And um, so it, it was kind of these contrasting feelings where, you know, if it was the immature self of me, I'd feel a bit embarrassed and hard done by because I couldn't go camping and I didn't have siblings and things like that to play with. But then this other sense that I think was far more, um, I think that far more of that was the the thing that God gives you when you're going through trials to help you understand the gravity of things and what your role is in it. And I always felt that with her. And, you know, I really did. There were tears. There were a lot of tears from her and there were a lot of tears from me. And I, I really struggled with the concept of faith. Um, as a young child, I, I really struggled with the idea of why would such a good person, who's praying constantly, and who has their husband praying constantly and their daughter praying constantly, why would she not be healed? That didn't make any sense to me, and I, you know, I viewed it as I guess I just have to believe harder that God can heal her. I guess I just have to really, really believe it without any doubt. And it took me um, through my mission and into my adult years for me to understand that that's not how it works. Hmm. Um, And I really came to see that what faith really means is that we trust in Christ enough to say, no matter what this mortal life brings to me, whatever physical ailments or anything happens I trust in you enough that I'm going to stick with you and know that you're going to stick with me. So, you know, as I, I came out of that experience in life and into adulthood, that's the thing I think that I, I came away with most was that understanding.
0: Wow. 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 Okay. Love your mom so much yeah. to yeah. picture her wedged in a doorway and you yeah. coming home and feeling the weight of that responsibility when his children – we're not equipped to know how to mother, Mm -hmm. but in some ways I think we are. Like we have all the tools within us at all times for all the things that we're going to face in our life. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to use a lot of those tools until much later for most of us in a lot of those cases, but the Lord definitely equipped you and blessed you and drew that out in you earlier than most, and it's heartbreaking in a lot of ways, but it's also made you the mother you are, the woman you are, the storyteller you are, and it's a a beautiful thing. And I wonder, and I wonder if you've ever spoken to her about this before she passed, did she feel any type of mom guilt? I I don't know if that's like totally a new thing, but I can only imagine, I go to sleep, wishing I'd done things differently every day or wishing it could things certain things could be different for my kids. Did your mom ever feel that, or was her own challenges the only focus she could have because of the gravity and and the way of what she was going through?
1: She had that every day she did, and she brought it up constantly to me, really um, you know she she felt so bad that I didn't have siblings there she knew that it was hard on me she knew that it was I you know I really um, made the choice throughout all of my childhood and teenage years to not be involved in a lot of extracurricular things Hmm. because I knew that she needed me at home she needed me as a friend and as a caregiver and as a daughter and so you know she really expressed a lot of of Mom Guild about that. She knew that she was, quote unquote, holding me back. Sure. As, you know, she would say. And I'll tell you the thing that I said again and again, but mostly I really, really reiterated this right before she died. And I said, you know, Mom, if I could have made it possible for you to not go through that, I would, because it was terrible for you to suffer. But I can honestly tell you that when I die, I will thank God that if you had to go through that, that I was there because it blessed me forever. The things that I learned through that experience changed me, helped me, gave me some insight that I would have never had. And I said, I would never have wanted you to go through this and I would change that. But I know in so doing, it would have drastically changed me. And so I have remembered that, you know, as I've had my kids, when I had um, those last two, the pregnancies were terrible. And my husband was a bishop in our ward at the time for church. Uh, it's like a pastor, you know, for those who are not part of our church. And he was gone, like all the time, because he's a business owner, too. And so he was not home. And those last two pregnancies, I had a near-death experience in one. And I was, I was throwing up 20 times a day with one of those pregnancies. And my oldest was 12 and the next was 10. And I saw those kids lose their mom at the same time that they were losing their dad, all for these really amazing causes. But I had such incredible mom guilt over that. And I remember that As I was thinking through that mom guilt and feeling bad for them, I went back to this in my life and thought, you know, actually, what I need to do instead of spending my energy in mom guilt is I need to spend my energy asking Heavenly Father to be with them and to help them to have insight and to help them to have the strength to be able to rise to this occasion and help them to be able to be more than they're capable of because that is what he can do. I can't do that. And mom guild only makes us all sad because then they feel kind of guilty that I feel guilty. And instead, just understanding that in these things, God can make us great.
0: And I love how you said you swapped out the energy. Because in those low moments, it's like, I don't have any more energy to do any more than I'm already doing. I'm just trying to survive. But if you can swap out any, whether it's physical energy or mental energy, we spend a lot and waste a lot of time on mental energy, like with worry and guilt and shame or all these things that are so unproductive. If you spent a fraction of that time or even all of that time, like you said, in prayer with hope. With optimism, just the swapping idea is something I am so behind in life. When people say, oh, I don't have enough time to do this or that. I don't have enough time to go on a walk. I don't have enough time to cook for my family. But if you swap it for something that's not serving you or not working or even less serving you, just swap it out and see how it goes. And that's 100% true. Yeah, it, it can just be such a game changer. Hey everyone i know you are loving my conversation with camille but i wanted to thank another show sponsor that makes this podcast possible and that is swanky badger do you have trouble coming up with ideas for the men in your life father's day is coming up and you're probably racking your brain on what to give your dad that has everything or groomsmen gifts my brother is getting married this summer and we're so excited And he was like, what do I give my groomsmen? And that is where Swanky Badger came in and saved the day. Swankybadger.com has the most amazing personalized gifts for the guys in your life. And so my brother bought his groomsmen gifts from Swanky Badger. He got personalized watches and they are so classy, so unique, and he can't wait to gift them to his groomsmen this summer. So if you want to personalize your own perfect gift for somebody that you love for Father's Day or another special occasion, go to swinkybadger.com forward slash EMP and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. That's swinkybadger.com slash EMP and make sure to check out that video of all the guys crying when they open it up. It's honestly the sweetest thing you'll ever see. Swankybadger.com slash EMP. Thank you so much to Swanky Badger for sponsoring the show, for providing my brother with amazing groomsmen gifts, and for making the show possible. I love that you had those conversations with your mom. I think that is so beautiful, and thank you for sharing because that is a very personal thing. And so, how has that transformed now? I mean, you tapped on a little bit in what you just shared but as we as moms know we can't do all the things for our kids we can't provide endlessly for them all of their wants and and needs how can we be okay with the things we're not doing and rest in and be appreciative for and feel confident in the things that we are doing and offering our kids
1: well i think that one thing that you know my mom really taught me is i think that she had There's an interesting thing that happens when you really become kind of housebound. Life really goes on without you. And so your friends, um, she had some really loyal friends who would call her on a very regular basis and talk to her. But I would say that 80% of her relationships went on their way um, because it's just how life works. People are busy and if you aren't connecting with them in the way that they can connect, then that happens and she had because of that a lot of time on her hands and um had to start to see what kinds of things matter and so you know i think that i think that one of the problems that we get into as moms is that the possibilities for our energies are endless we you know like should our kids be in sports because it will help them to learn principles yes that's true should our kids be doing this because it will help them do this should we go camping because camping will help with this yes that's true should we read to them because that will help with their literacy yes that's true yes should we and so even though all of those are really important it actually doesn't matter that much (laughs) yes yes eternally it doesn't matter that much yeah none of them do not really Mm-hmm. You know my my husband grew up in a family where they constantly camped and they had 9 kids and so he couldn't have grown up more differently than I grew up but in the fundamentals we were the same mm. and so I think as parents we really have to say what is my ultimate goal with these children my ultimate goal is blank and with my mom she decided her ultimate goal with me was to have a really good relationship where I knew that she loved me. I knew that I could go to her with everything. I could ask her questions. I could talk to her, and she was available to me. And she just loved unconditionally all the, the rest of the kids in the family. She made such an effort to, com- to keep those relationships open and loving and as in-laws, you know, as as people married, the thing that the in-laws said about my mom, all of them, is they said she just loved. She just loved us so much and she doesn't she didn't judge us, she didn't try and change us, she just loved us. And so though, you know, if you look back at my childhood with a really skeptical point of view and you say, Well, I was really tainted because I didn't get as many kids to play with, so I didn't learn how to interact with people as well. That may be true. And I didn't get involved in sports, and so maybe my self-confidence was a little lower. That's true. And I you can go through and you can point those things out, but I'll tell you what I had was a really stable foundation of understanding that God loved me, understanding that I could talk to him and receive strength because I watched her do that. And understanding that I could go to her with all things. And she would be my biggest champion. And she would be my greatest friend. So as I've gone into motherhood, it it really has shaped me. Because I really got into a lot of the mom guilt. And just being torn up about, oh, I can't afford to put my kids in all these extracurricular things. And I'm so overwhelmed. And I don't know what to do. And I finally thought you know, I actually don't even like all these things, and my (laughs) kids actually aren't even that athletic. How about if we just don't? How about if we just stop it? And how about if we just spend more time together? Mm. And though I think some people would shudder at that thought, and that doesn't mean that you shouldn't put your kids in sports at all. Mm -hmm. You have to choose just a few things. And if sports is one of those things, that's great. But don't choose all the other things. Mm. And that, I think, is the thing that I learned from her is that it was, it was impossible for her to do a lot of those things. She couldn't even drive me places. Hmm. And so it was impossible. But she chose the things that she could do, and she did them so well.
0: That is really – that's incredible. That's an incredible perspective to have. And really, it could have only come from your life experience that you would have gotten to that point where you got that so deeply. Like, I hear that, and I believe it. But not having had the same life experience, it takes so much sure. more practice for me not to fall in those ruts and fall back into the thinking of the
1: world, you know, and what the, what I think yeah. I
0: should be doing versus what right. I know is true.
1: Right? Yeah. And so I... Well, and I think, yeah, yeah everyone has to apply that to, you know, what means something to them. Yeah. You have to kind of go deep. And so... You know, that's personally how I took that, but I think everyone can apply that to to what really means something to them and just focus on that.
0: Yeah, I love that, that it's all really ultimately up to you. And in every season of life, like what's working right now? Because just because something worked in the past doesn't mean it's working anymore. And being willing to change and pivot according to what's going on, the challenges you're facing, what's working well and doing more of that and cultivating more of that. And ultimately, you'll never regret togetherness.
1: Right? Exactly.
0: Yeah. Hey everyone, I want to jump in just one last time and thank our final show sponsor, and that is Third Love. Do you ever get to the end of the day, and you can't wait to take your bra off? <laughs> I think most of us live like that, right? Well, 3rd Love is looking to solve that problem for women because 3rd Love is an amazing bra company that uses data points generated by millions of women who've taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for the perfect fit and premium feel. They offer 70 sizes, including half cup sizes, which, hello, I am, and you don't have to go to the store. And I promise you, by the end of the day, you'll not be ripping your bra off. (laughs) I can't think of anything better than that. So if you are in a stage of your life where maybe you're a different size than you used to be, or perhaps you've always been in the wrong size bra, I challenge you to go over to thirdlove.com, take that Fit Finder quiz. It's super simple. Find your correct size and order a Third Love bra. The other thing I love about Third Love is they have a 100% fit guarantee. You can wear it for up to 60 days if you don't love it. If you're not absolutely obsessed with it by the end of 60 days, you can send it back. They'll wash it and donate it to women in need, and they will refund your money or exchange it for a size that does fit. I've had the best experience working with Third Love, and this is the exclusive bra that I wear day to day. So I cannot recommend it enough. Third Love knows what a perfect bra is like, and they want a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com/EEP. Now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. Isn't that awesome? Thank you so much. That's theirlovecom slash EEP for 15% off today. Thanks so, so much to Third Love and I'm so grateful for their support in this podcast. Now let's finish up with Camille. So something we talk a lot about at the podcast is putting yourself on the list. Um, as somebody that you know raised and took care of her mom um, most of her life like you did, I bet you have a tendency to, to put others' needs before your own and to feel that weight and responsibility of of doing for other people, probably at the expense of yourself at times. Is that true? And how have you learned to kind of not fall into that trap or at least not become resentful about the doing for the other people all the time?
1: Yeah, that's a hard question. I mean, my first initial thought was, well, you just, learn to be exhausted (laughs) Ah. Um, and that's somewhat true but not Mm -hmm. all true I you know I know when we moved um, I lived with my husband somewhat near my parents and then we moved to this little town in the southeast corner of Utah that was six hours away from them when my oldest was four and my biggest concern in that move was what was I going to do about my parents how was I going to take care of them Mm -hmm. and so we talked them into moving here. They said we had to live here a year to make sure we weren't going to (laughs) bail, and then once we decided we were going to be here, um, we built them a house just two doors away from ours so that I could take care of them, and so I was their full-time caregiver for, let's see, about 10 years for my mom and another, I guess it would be eight years for my mom and four for my dad. He just passed away last year, Mm -hmm. And, um, and during that time, we went from three kids to six kids and um, went through a lot of stressful things. And I, I would say honestly, and I, I hope you don't think this is just a bag out, but honestly, the biggest thing that I've learned, and I, I feel like I'm still learning, is that the most important thing for us to do in this life is to really understand what God wants us to be doing and make a list of those things. So what in our life are things that we're doing because he wants us to be doing those, and what in our life are things that we're doing because we want to do those? Those are two very different things. And so in my life, I've always tried to make sure that as a mom, I'm saying no to a lot of things if I don't feel like it's something God intends me to be doing. And that doesn't mean... Um, I'm not going to lunch with my friends or spending time with friends. That's my, one of my greatest rejuvenating things to do because I love to laugh and I love to just have a break. And so I go to lunch with friends or I go to friends' houses and just spend time and that helps me. But as I've looked at my life and I've said, okay, well, I know that God wants me to be taking care of my parents. I know that God wants me to be a mom to these kids, and I felt that I was supposed to have each of these kids, none of them were accidents. I know that God wants me to keep my marriage strong. And there's a a couple of other personal things that I feel like he wants me to do, one of which is the podcast. Other things? Well, PTA, I haven't ever felt that God wants me there. Working outside the house, I haven't felt the prompting that that's where God wants me. That doesn't mean he doesn't want other people there, but in my life personally. Mm And so I go into life saying yes to the things that I know I need to be doing. And then the other things, if they don't fit, then I just let them go. Hmm. And um, I think that when we do that, we can absolutely go to God and ask him to increase our capacity. Because I can guarantee that me alone, I couldn't juggle. I mean, when when my dad was dying last year, my husband was out of town. And it was really me that was there. My sister was there, but I was, I was his caregiver. I was the one doing everything. I was giving him his morphine in the last stages of his life, in the last moments. And I, I knew he was going to die that night because I'd been through this before. I could hear it in his breathing. And I had to come home and put my kids to bed. I got them all over there to go sing to him and say goodbye to him and they'd lived with him for 10 years. I mean, it was a big Mm -hmm. deal for them. They were crying. We went over, we sang to him, we hugged him, we kissed him goodbye. I came back here, I got on my knees, and I asked God to please not let him go before I could get back over there. And then I put my kids to bed and it took 40 minutes to get my kids to bed. And then I ran over there and I knew from the moment I got back up off my knees, I knew that my mom was with me and I knew that God was going to keep him there and he'd be okay. I knew my dad wanted me to be there. I ran over there. I sat down next to him and I immediately felt like I needed to lay down next to him and I needed, him to, walk, I needed to walk him through these last stages of death and, and he was gone within 20 minutes. And that's not something that I could do that would have given me a nervous breakdown. That would have like sent me through the roof. I would have been on Xanax and everything else. But because God was involved, because we ask him to increase our capacity to become more than we really are on our own, if we're involved in these activities that he wants us to be doing, then we can be assured that he can do that for us. And Sometimes, actually most times, that does not mean it's going to be easy. I, I've had to go to counseling. When my mom died, I had to go to some counseling because I was having panic attacks because of the stress of taking care of my widowed father and all these kids, and that really helped. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to have our breakdowns. It doesn't mean that we're not going to be stressed. But I don't feel like this life is about not being stressed. If we're not, we're not learning. And God will take us where he needs us to be if we're asking him.
0: I believe that too. I do. But I've never ever thought of it in terms of when you're writing out your to-do list or you know cataloging all your activities to separate it out on what are negotiables and non-negotiables. What does God really want? What do I feel called to do? What does my family feel called to do? making that list in one column and putting all the other discretionary type stuff that is absolutely fun and fine as long as it's yeah. working for you. But separating that out on the must do's and the need to do's because the need to do's are what God is asking. We better we better do what we need to do mm-hmm. to feel good. And in that first column, there can be resentful exhaustion if we let it get to that point, if we're not careful about what we're choosing But we're not owning that we get to choose. Yeah. But to be exhausted at the end of a long day where you did the things that only you were put on this earth to do with your mom or with your dad or with your kids or with a neighbor. You know, fill in the blank for the listener of, you know, those good days. You know, those days where you're like, I was where I was supposed to be today. There is nothing better. And you might be dogbeat tired. Mm-hmm. You, may, you may not be able to hold your eyes open for one more second, but there's not one ounce of resentment in that exhaustion
1: or doubt. Well, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, I think the other important thing to remember is that we really live in this perfectionistic society where to us to be able to close our eyes and say, I've done my duty today means that it was like unto the sound of music in our home, you know, that, that the kids were singing A Deer and wearing <laughs> curtains and it was just lovely and wonderful. And, and, you know, the thing that I, I have learned with doing this podcast is that we put forth our best effort every day, but you know what? Sometimes our best effort is really super mediocre and that is perfect. Hmm. That is great. That is enough to go to sleep and say, you know what? I didn't kill the kids today, and <laughs> that is something to celebrate. And I'll tell you, you know, with my parents and with my kids, there were so many days where times I did feel hard done by it. Times I was so overwhelmed. I just felt like I can't even breathe. I can't even catch a breath for myself because, you know, uh, they need me so much, and the kids need me so much. and uh, And that's why, you know, it is important to find little bits of time when you can do things for you. But also to just remember that the fact that you're not running away and lighting your hair on fire as you run down the street is success. (laughs) You're staying in the game. You haven't sent your parents packing. You haven't sent the kids to an orphanage. You're in the game and sometimes it's messy and it's not pretty and there's snot and there's everything. But you're in the game and you're not leaving. And I, I think that that's enough. And, and one of the things I think that gets us down so much, and it did with me at times, was just that you feel like you must be perfect. Hmm. And I, I think if there was any message God would give us, it's that that's the point of the Savior. That's not what we're supposed to be, that's His job. We stay in the game, we just keep putting forth our best effort, and some days are going to be a heck of a lot better than others. And sometimes it's going to be a bad year, but you'll come up again and you'll get air and you just, you just have to stay in the game on those things that are non-negotiable.
0: Oh, love, love, love that. Oh, Camille, this has been, I mean, I have, my eyes have welled up with tears more times than I can count in this interview and I am so grateful. And I know that no matter whether the listeners experience something similar to you or not, this idea of having compassion and love and having the motivation that it's not about us. It's about doing what we're supposed to do and just simply being a vessel. And I just see that in you. And gosh, this has just been such an incredible, inspiring talk this morning. It has just been so wonderful. We did not even get to talk that much about your podcast, but Family Looking Up is such, and, and we laugh way more with you on Family Looking Up, but I'm so grateful to see this other side of your life that has been able to, to shape who you are and the way you see the world, but I see the humor that you got from your mom. Like, it all makes sense. <laughs> I love that so, so much. There is a beautiful a uh, yellow bird, like vibrant yellow bird on the tree outside my window right now that I have ne- wow. I, am I in the jungle? Like, wow. <laughs> I live in Southern California. This is so interesting. Sorry, distracted. I always wrap up with three final questions, Camille. And the first is, Camille, what is your purpose?
1: My purpose is to be a mom. My purpose is to give my kids a foundation that God loves them, and that no matter what happens, I'm always on their side.
0: What makes you smile, Camille?
1: Anything funny, especially people falling down on America's <laughs> Funniest Home Videos. <laughs> <laughs> anything. I, 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 I love to laugh more than anything in the world. And if I can do that with my husband and kids, all the better. Wow. We we just love laughter. and We love to spend time together. And it's a good thing. Yeah.
0: And the final question relates to the mission of this podcast, which is is to help the listener and the guest, quite frankly, realize and take the time to acknowledge how extraordinary they truly are, not because of what they're doing, but because they simply were created as an extraordinary being with unique talents and skill sets and abilities. And this is so evident in your story that you were born at the exact time into the exact family. Where you were called and needed. And you're doing the work in your own family now in such a special way as well. And we all are. And when we can really give ourselves that credit that what we're doing matters, we can do it with so much more power. And that I can't think of anything better than that. So I want to know, Camille, to you, what makes you
1: extraordinary? First and foremost, I don't run down the the street with lighting my hair on fire. Um, (laughs) It always comes back to that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm in it for the game. But I I do think that the thing that um, through my mom, learning through watching her seek goodness and then trusting in God, I think probably the most defining thing that I've learned is that no matter what happens, as long as I am feeling God's hand in my life, I'm 100% committed to sticking it out. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, we live in a world where we doubt, we doubt, we doubt, we doubt. If I felt it, and I know I felt it, then I'm not going to doubt. I'm going to keep walking forward
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: um, stick with it. That does make you extraordinary.
0: Camille, thank you for sharing your story today. Where can people find the podcast and find you online if they want to follow along in your journey?
1: So our podcast is called Family Looking Up. We're on all the different podcast carriers, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Um, If you want to go to familylookingup.com, that's our website. I write a weekly blog on there about all different subjects, and that's specifically me um, for the podcast. And then um, we're actually in the process of overhauling that it's going to be a great community resource and um that'll be coming out in the next couple months but familylookingup.com all social media at family looking up and family looking up podcast that's where you'd find us
0: and no podcast does show notes like you do and you're responsible for the show (laughs) notes aren't you
1: i am responsible for the show notes yeah
0: well i cannot recommend your podcast enough and i'm so grateful for you coming on the show today i think you're extraordinary
1: I think you're extraordinary. Thank you for letting me come. It was wonderful to talk to you. You too, Camille.
0: I think when you become a mother, you can understand in a whole new way the power and the influence that our mothers had on us and the sacrifices they made. And while we may not all have the idyllic childhoods that we dreamed of, you may have faced challenges, you may not have had the relationship that you might have wished with your mom, but all that to say... That there is such power in a mother's role. And when we are intentional about choosing love, at the root of it all, regardless of how we parent or how many times we mess up, when we choose love, like Camille's mom did, look what can come of it. It's beautiful. You can check out a beautiful picture of Camille on the website ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. Links of everything we talked about is there as well. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Jessica Dalquist 3 on Instagram there and on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Thanks so, so much for tuning in today. It's been a pleasure spending this time with you. Happy Mother's Day. And we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.